This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury, and I'm joined in the studio by... Roshan Kennison. It is 12.06 here in the studio. A bit of a grotty day outside with kind of spatterings of clouds everywhere. I can see a little bit of blue sky over there on the horizon. It might get to us by about 5 o'clock this afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those kind of days. Uh, how are you all doing? How are you all doing? Do I have multiple personalities yeah, in do, the studio? Like, ah, okay. So personality one is doing quite well. Uh-huh. Uh, the other side of me is maybe a bit confused over you questioning my personalities. But sure. Well, it's, it's one of those days, you yeah. know. It, 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 did you see the it? moon last night? Did I see the moon last night? Yeah, it was no. very beautiful, very clear. Uh-huh. I think full moon today, you know. My Indian mother is very particular with these kind of things. Right. I was wondering where I you were going to go with I was, that. I was pulled out of the house. To, to like, be shown the moon. She's like, Roshan, come here, come here, come here. I was like, what's happening? It's like, what do you want to show me? Is it a flower in the garden? Something like is your are your your plants growing nicely? You know, uh, look there. I thought you were maybe pointing at some satellites. Uh, something we're going to link to a little bit later on, of course, with yes. Elon Musk and his uh, Starlink stuff. We'll get to that in a bit, though. But of course, with it being Tech Tuesday, um, that is a bit of a giveaway there about something we are talking about. And of course, with it being Tech Tuesday, uh, and this is our third week of doing it, right? I think. Third, uh, fourth week, third or fourth, point? yeah. And I think every week so far we've mentioned Elon Musk, um, <sighs> the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, and of course he does get a couple of mentions in today's show. Uh, I don't know whether to say unfortunately or fortunately, but he is helping us out with the economy. So, uh, well, at least it's not related to X or Twitter. Twitter. That, so that, we're talking about it. something as you mentioned. We do a bit mention more productive. X a little bit later on, though. Oh, no, uh, but. <laughs> Stories lined up for today. We've got Netflix. Um, when we spoke about AI not potentially taking your jobs, this is when things could get a little bit awkward. Netflix are touting a $900,000 AI job. This is right in the middle of the strikes that are happening mm-hmm. in Hollywood. That's what we're kicking off with. We're then looking at Starlink is now available in Malaysia for 220 ringgit per month. Uh, and then we're moving on to our story about why there aren't many electrical uh, electric vehicles under 100,000 ringgit here in Malaysia. Um, and WeChat, why does Elon Musk want X to emulate China's everything app? That's our wrap-up story. We'll get to Elon a little bit later on, though, kicking off with this story from Netflix then. So they've obviously um, kicked up a bit of a fuss. and Ruffled co- some feathers. And quite a few feathers. They've posted a job advert for a artificial intelligence uh, expert, which has triggered, obviously, an angry response from striking Hollywood actors and writers. This new position would join Netflix's machine learning platform team, which drives the algorithm, helping viewers pick new programs to watch. So the job pays up to $900,000 per year, which, of course, has fueled further outrage. Unions are striking over concerns about how AI affects the entertainment industry and pay already. The job listing is one of several listed on the Netflix job page that calls for applicants with experience in machine learning and AI. And it's unclear from the job advert whether the role will advise on content uh, and the TV and programs and films that Netflix chooses to invest in. Uh, I I'm, I feel like that's what it's, they're going for here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I'm, there's a lot of reasons why uh, the writers and the actors are, uh, are striking over in the US. Um, a lot of it comes down to, well, just pay and yep. cost cutting and all these different things that are affecting the talent side of things, which is um, a lot of this, you, you need collective action like this to push things, right? We'd, we'd still be working six, seven days a week, if not for collective Correct. action, uh, m- many decades ago. Uh, in this particular situation, Netflix has a little bit of an obsession about figuring out uh, with ones and zeros, what works and what doesn't work from mm. a content perspective, mm. right? They're not creating art. They don't care about art. They're creating content so that you keep your eyes glued. And if it's, you know, like a, a, a CGI 
action trash fest like Grey Man, which I enjoyed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, me know? too. Yeah. Um, or or whatever else keeps you glued, like Fubar. These these are the things they want to know, right? Yeah. And the MLAI part of this is is very powerful. The, the, why is this person being paid nine hundred thousand dollars a year? Because of the leverage and scale that that position provides, right? It's 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 one role that can impact them on a global scale yeah. in order to keep uh, millions of you, users continued. Uh, watching on Netflix, especially in an environment where there's so much competition. Now, I, I don't have a, an issue with uh, the job being posted. I think, uh, like the people that are out there striking, my issue is the timing of, of putting this on the website and yeah. the pricing of, of um, well, the wages. I, I think... It, it just feels as though, come on, you know, read the room before you do something like that. But this. I guess for them, it's like we will continue doing what we do, right? It's business, it's business, yeah, it's BAU. Because yeah. um, it's not even so much about new content. There is, okay, what is the biggest problem right now when you turn on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever? What is the biggest issue? I, I see the same things recommended to me time and time again. Okay. And even though I'm not picking them, you know, they're still coming. That, that, that's the thing, right? So when right. I have the paradox of choice problem, right. uh, when I open up Netflix, I spend 15 minutes uh, I think scrolling through does. things, yeah. right? And yeah. this is where, like, uh, YouTube does a great job in mm. recommending content. But their content library is so much bigger. It's because so much richer. It's so much richer. It's more nuanced. There's better yeah. tagging. And there's a lot more verticals to explore mm. because it's cheaper content being mm. produced at scale by mm. many distributed creators. Mm. Netflix has a bit more high cost content, you know, it's more produced. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you keep scrolling through things because um, it's not right for me. Mm. Um, so I guess this is where that that uh, platform is coming in, right? How often do you rate your your uh, viewing experience? Though? You know, when you, you've watched something, how often uh, do, you rate, do you rate it? Not very much, actually. See, that's uh, your problem. But I've started doing it because now they've got thumbs down, thumbs up, and two thumbs up, I think. Right, yeah. So I've just started doing that, but only for shows that I really enjoy. Right. And I think um, this relates back to something you and Matt talked about a few weeks back on Matt's plane. Does rating even matter? Right, ratings. Yeah. And it seems like, um, you know, a five star isn't. A, it's you talk about inflation. Five stars have been has been inflated, right? Because five stars means status quo to most Correct. people now, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is quite sad. Because I know the point that you made in that episode was that you know you actually try to judge them based on what you think is yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, but the unfortunate situation is that their employer it's, looks at it's it about, entirely differently. Correct. It's about oh, yeah. five stars. Stars means you met your job, and yeah. four stars means you didn't do a good job. But yeah. That's not the way stars it, work, right? It should right? be three stars. Three is the average. Yeah. And then four is like, oh, you did a good job. Five is like, oh, this person, this person is you know, the best of what got out of the car, yeah. opened the yeah. door, yeah. you know, carried my bags yeah. out, gave me, you know, that, 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 but we've inflated yeah. what it means to rate I mean, that, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Different context though, right? So yeah. that way- All oh, right, come back to this. Yes, we're yeah, talking about content. We're talking about content. So in terms of the recommendations that I've been having for Netflix have been- Diabolical the mm. last few months, you know. And that is a word, Rich. Yeah, terrible. Really, really, really bad. And I've tried resetting my settings and I've tried doing a whole bunch of other stuff and it still comes back with these same things. And I know why Netflix are pushing their agenda. You, we want you to watch this. We want you to watch this. We want you to watch this. Fine. When it comes to YouTube, though, and I right now mainly watch YouTube, uh, ironically, through my Apple TV. Yeah, and that Apple uh, that piece of software is developed by YouTube specifically for an Apple device, right? The recommendations on my YouTube on my Apple TV are not updated on a daily basis. I will sit and I'll watch my recommended stuff, and then I'll click back on Home at the top, 
and it will still be the same recommended pieces. Hmm. So there is something broken within that algorithm on there as well. And, I, and I'm suggesting that there is clearly some issues with the Netflix algorithm. It's just not, like you say, there is too much choice. And unless you start drilling down and you start rating all of these things, you're not going to get a good selection of stuff. Correct. But how do you how do you go about doing it? Because YouTube uh, obviously is able to do what it does because it has a much richer profile of the individual um, based on the fact that you use Google services and other things related to that. But obviously, there's a more dis- distributed, uh, there more distributed forms of content on YouTube. And also, you know, you've been using YouTube for 15, 20 years now. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. been around since 2006. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot, a larger track history there. With Netflix, I wonder what, what goes into, you know, the mechanics of this, right, of the ML. It's like, how long do you, how much of a trailer do you watch, mm. perhaps? Or mm. what are the last shows you watched over the last few weeks that's caught your attention? Mm. How long do you hover on one particular show? Mm. Um, but, you know, I just want to, just I just want to tangent a little bit. Uh, that's not the right word, but it is the word I'm going to stick with. Um, you know, we're confidence. About, confidence. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're talking about the strikes here. I yeah. just finished watching uh, Secret Invasion. Right. Um, and... Uh, Available I, on uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. I'm not happy, um, you know, and I can see a lot of disillusionment and among a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fans over the last uh, two, three years. And this is because they're throwing, they're making lackluster content, right? It's, you're not spending the time because you know, TV is a very like high volume game, um, and you know it was a promising show that ended on spoiler. I'm not spoiling anything here. This is just an unsolicited review that ended on a what I felt was a bit of a disappointing note. Mm. Um, and that comes down to writing, mm. right? You need good writers in the mm. room when you write something. You need to give them the time and space to do so. This whole agenda of, oh, we need to make sure there's always new content coming in. You know, when when Secret Invasion is over, we need Loki, uh, we need uh, Ahsoka to go on. Then when Ahsoka is done, we got Loki. And, you know, this continuing trend of keeping people engaged, mm. um, eventually you're going to lose people because the content's not good and you lose trust and, I, and you devalue your brand, right? How did they release it? Was it released in whole, one whole package? So no, you could Dis- sit- Disney does per episode. Yeah. So it's like it, the last six weeks has been Secret Invasion. I think next week, uh, two, uh, two weeks from now, Ahsoka will be released and that'll be another maybe four, four to six weeks. I mean, let's go back a year. Obi-Wan, yeah. the, TV, uh, the TV series, that should have been a two-hour movie. would yeah. have been brilliant. It's, yeah. it, but because they diluted it with all irrelevant storylines, uh, people watched Obi-Wan because they wanted to watch Evan McGregor yeah. and Hayden Christensen yeah. come back and reprise their it, roles. It became a chore to watch, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. especially the, the the middle parts a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, but there were great moments in that mm-hmm. series. And if you had you know, cut out the fat in that, it would have made a really good, maybe even a 90-minute special, for mm-hmm. example. So right now, it's good that the writers are putting a stop to the kind of content churning that's going on. And people need to, Hollywood needs to reevaluate this because it's all being driven by the bottom line and the corporate profits and the studios have are disconnected from quality anymore, right? Because yeah, sure. AI is running the show and if you're using uh, AI to determine how uh, what content you're being going to be making, you're going to lose the artistry mm. that, is mm. that used to be present in uh, art forms uh, such as filmmaking and not to sound too uh, 
esoteric. Mm-hmm. Esoteric, but that's the concern here, yeah, right? It and is, it is. Also, if AI is if AI is making the decisions which you know executives used to be responsible for, maybe executives should be a bit concerned about their job security over the longer term. Well, there's that discussion about you know if people were going to lose their jobs, it would be the CEOs and the executives that would lose their jobs first. Mm. The CEO may keep his job because mm. he needs to you know the AI reports to him. <laughs> or her. That's how it works, right? It's everyone else, head of head of the studio, will lose their job. <laughs> the middle level management. Okay, uh, let's move on then. <laughs> Uh, something ever so slightly different. Uh, EVs, right. And and obviously, if you tune into Cruise Control on a regular basis, we have a segment each week where we do talk about EVs in one way or another, whether it's a car review or um, last week, of course, we were looking at the official launch of Tesla here. Now, uh, this is an article from uh, Soya Chinchow, actually. And the article is called, Here's Why There Is No Electric Vehicles Priced Under uh, 100,000 Ringgit in Malaysia. So it discusses this lack of uh, EVs under 100,000. And the main reason for the lack of affordable EVs is Malaysia are high import duties, the lack of local assembly and the absence of government incentives. So the current policy from the government is more supportive of hybrid and energy-efficient vehicles, EEVs, rather than fully electric vehicles. There's the high cost of batteries, which constitutes a significant portion of an EV's price, is another factor contributing to the high price of EVs. There's also the lack of charging infrastructure here in Malaysia, of course, which discourages consumers from purchasing EVs. Yeah, so those are some of the key factors here. Um, And the Malaysian government does have plans, of course, to increase the adoption of electric uh, vehicles, I mean, they wouldn't have encouraged Tesla to come to town if not for that, right? right? Uh, part of the low carbon mobility plan 2021 to 2030, uh, I think the, some of the aims here include 100,000 electric cars, 100,000 electric motorcycles, 2,000 electric buses, 125,000 charging stations in operation by 2025. A lot of players in the scene. I spoke to Jintari last week and Powered by Rise. Sorry, I spoke to Powered by Rise last week, Jintari the week before. Um, a lot of charging players in. You've got Jom Charge, Charge mm. EV. Everyone's mm. trying to build this platform here because it is chicken and egg right at the end of the day. You need charging stations in order to yeah. hit mass with electric vehicles. But also you need to, you need electric vehicles to come down below 100,000 ringgit. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if that starts to eat into the national uh, Just going to say right? that. Just going to say that. You know, I mean, the thing is with Proton and Paradua, uh, they've only fairly recently started on their e- electrical journey, you know, so, so to speak. Uh, and they've got a lot of responsibility uh, to provide affordable EVs for Malaysians, you know. Um, protectionism is a thing, obviously. You know, we yeah. want to be buying local cars. We want to be buying local vehicles so that we, we can move forward and help the economy. But when you already are starting on the back foot, you know, and you have these players coming in from China who are coming with exceptionally good cars at a fairly decent price. It's going to be very hard to... Yeah, and this is where Proton has a little yeah. bit of an advantage, right? Because a major partner or a major owner Gilly, is yeah. Chile. Yeah. And they are obviously big Chinese players. They're looking at EVs right. as well. I just wonder how Peridua is going to fit into all this because uh, the top line uh, for them, I guess, is, uh, I mean, they have uh, above 100,000, but let's talk about the lower cost vehicles here. The Axia, the basic one starts at 30K yeah. Yeah. up to the Myvi, which is maybe around the top spec, maybe around 65K. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you start build, bringing in sub 100,000 electric vehicles at uh, 80,000, that starts to eat into mm-hmm. the Myvi, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Doesn't mm-hmm. it? So how does that play into it? But also from a duty and tax perspective, uh, does it make sense? Uh, 
is it all just about duties? Is there a different way to encourage e- electric vehicle adoption? Um, We're not going to see yeah. it until we see more infrastructure. That's the problem. Mm. You know, once, once we start seeing plugins at places up and down the, the, the Klang Valley and, of course, other places, not just Klang Valley, that's when we'll see people really start to consider buying an EV. But... Right now, it, it, it's for that top tier you know of people. I, I think if it was cheaper, of course, you know, it's all about that, right? If you get if you start hitting sub hundred thousand ringgit yeah, uh, yeah. vehicles, yeah. Um, people will buy. They will. They will. Anyway, on that note, we better wrap up and take a short break. We've got some more stuff coming up a little bit later on. Of course, Elon Musk going to make a couple of appearances. Uh, we oh, I skipped ahead, didn't I? I skipped ahead to the, one of the stories first. It's uh, okay. Starlink coming up. Starlink coming up, and of course, just after that, we're going to touch a little bit more on uh, Twitter. X, that whole thing. You're tuned into Enterprise Biz by its tech talk here on BFM 89.9. Bunkus for Makan, BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. It is not Tech Talk. It is Tech Tuesday. I've had a long night. Do forgive me. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. And, of course, we are on Twitter, at BFM Radio. Uh, we've touched upon a couple of topics so far. Uh, Netflix touting the $900,000 AI job uh, right in the middle of people striking over in Hollywood. And, of course, uh, a little bit on why there are no EVs priced under 100000 ringgit here in Malaysia. Uh, a topic... Um, that uh, Roshan was outside last night staring up at the skies. Uh, and this could potentially link to that. We're talking about uh, Starlink. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's, it's a Starlink. Starlink. Now, um, it's now available in Malaysia, of course. We did see the Prime Minister uh, speaking directly with Elon Musk uh, regarding this particular topic, uh, not too lo- and amongst other things as well. So if you don't already know, it's a satellite broadband service under SpaceX. It's now officially available in Malaysia. I think we are the 60th country to re, uh, to receive it. Uh, it provides high-speed broadband uh, with lower latency than traditional uh, satellites. Uh, primarily aimed at those who don't have 4G and 5G fiber. And it provides download speeds of around 100 megabytes per second and uh, costs 220 ringgit per month without a contract. However, users must purchase the hardware separately. Uh, and there are two hardware options so far. Um, I went to their website and had a look around. Standard equipment. Of course you did. <laughs> sta- of course. Standard equipment costs two and a, uh, best part of 2,500 ringgit, while the uh, high performance option costs 11,000. 613. 11,613, I'm assuming, is for enterprise uh, and that kind of thing. 2,000 ringgit will set you up with a kit at home. Now, first question that comes to mind is who's this for, right? Because right. Um, 220 ringgit a month for 100 MB- Mbps is expensive. It is it's expensive. A lot more than yes. you know, Unify, Maxis, DG, all of these guys are providing. Um, and then you would realize that the reason uh, it's more expensive is because it's for those out of coverage. That's right. If you don't have a fiber connection. That's right. Which is the a lot of the rural areas. That's right. So yes, it comes with a little bit of a premium, but this could, uh, it comes with, not a little bit, it comes with a premium and there are additional costs, but this could help with more disparate areas, more rural areas, places where we can't get cables to mm whether it is uh, businesses or, you know, Sabah, Sarawak, where, Mm -hmm. you know, Sarawak is, the landmass is bigger than the peninsula. Yeah. uh, But we've got, I think, Three million people that spread across the uh, across the but your main uh, the point, state. Your main point is it's expensive, yeah. And for it to be available in those places where we want it to be, mm-hmm. I would imagine that bringing the price down would be much more helpful. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? 
Yeah, uh, but you know, sometimes uh, 100 Mbps at 220 ringgit is better than no Mbps at no uh, money. That that is that's you know? a fair and, point. You know, yeah. maybe this gives access to libraries and communal centers yeah. to have reliable internet connectivity. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a start, right? I'm not saying it's a uh, it's the perfect solution here. Um, yeah. But getting connectivity to these areas is super important towards our digitalization ambitions because, you know, you can digitalize all you want, but if it's only the urban areas that are digitalizing, you're going to see even bigger gaps appear. And, you know, we take for granted the access to the internet, Mm -hmm. but just look back a year or two years ago and it was, and people were working from home and we used to hear stories of, there was that one girl who had to climb a tree in Sarawak to get access to the internet, right? These are things that we cannot allowed to continue to be here's the, the thing do you i mean i remember not not all that long ago when our even here in the clang valley our internet connectivity was expensive and it was not great and then all of a sudden almost overnight it, it was changed. Uh, yeah so this was um double the speed half the price That's when right. pakatan harapan came in part one yeah um but also to be fair i think that was an ongoing policy that the uh the bn uh government had uh under najib before that uh, but if you know, if I, I, I stand to be corrected on that. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, the minister at the time was Gobin. Yes, it was Gobin. Yes, came it was. in, made yeah. a big deal out of it, yeah. pushed it, and we got that right. Yes. And now it's like we're being spoiled for choice yeah, here because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I'm seeing advertising. I think it's uh, one of the players. I think is it Unify or something or Telcom DG. Uh, it's two gigabits per second, uh, being priced at the same. Uh, same amount of money that people are it's paying insane. for one gigabyte. It's uh, insane. One gigabit. Yeah, I have seen that the the government has placed orders for forty Starlink broadca- uh, broadband kits for schools and mm-hmm. universities, uh, including UITM. Here's the other thing, though, and this is something that I'm sure you'll find interesting. They are allowed to operate in Malaysia as a 100% foreign-owned entity. Yeah as the 49% threshold for foreign equity imposed on the NFP and NFP uh, license, NSP license holders has been waived after considering the value and benefits to be provided by Starlink Malaysia. Roshan Kanesan, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, it's interesting, right? Because end of the day, the foreign equity, foreign-owned entity uh, portion that we always have is—it's the the premise here is always that it protects local business, mm. right? You want you want uh, you want a bit of skin in the game for all our local players, but um, it's. It's Elon Musk and his ability to negotiate certain things, right? Having Starlink and Tesla and all these entities uh, here in the country uh, does have a certain cachet to it. Yep. Um, it sounds good. And maybe there is a, a, a end of the day, the fact that it's waived, is it, that means it's a one-off thing, right? But could we see this be waived Just for like other things later on? The uh, APs for Tesla e- as well. Exactly. So you're, you're seeing a little bit of a, okay, we need this to move fast. And, mm. you know, um, love it or hate it, uh, having this, Having to have a local partner has led to some friction in the past with other. That's a good way of putting it. Partners, yes. um, other bu- bureaucratic things that happen, mm-hmm. uh, it leads to notions of maybe unease of doing business. This may be signaling to other foreign players that you know Malaysia is open to doing business if you have the right value added proposition. That's what I was going to say. But there must be some kind of so in this kind of situation, the value add here is connectivity, right? Um, because otherwise we need to have some skin in the game as a nation, or at least you need to be paying taxes, right? So otherwise you're operating here, getting money, you're extracting that mm, money away mm, from the country. Mm, mm. Um, so either you're paying taxes um, or some other way of you know ha- um, getting buy-in from the local entrepreneurship mm. and capital market seat. No, not capital market, sorry, from the local o- entrepreneur scene, mm, right? So mm. that's one way of looking at it. Um 
So yeah, but let's see how this plays out. I wonder if there's going to be more waving from other. That's uh, what I was going to situations. If, if other companies come in as well, you know, and, and or they suggest a, a Musk waiver, you know, that's that's the thing, you know, it's going to frustrate and annoy some people, you know, and. Anyway, uh, but but keep him in mind because he is uh, the the topic of our next discussion as well. And if you tune into our show on Friday when I spoke with Anna Loy and we spoke about Twitter rebranding to X, um, and part of that discussion was was why he is doing that and what his intentions are with X. So he has this proposed plan that he wants to transform Twitter into a super app similar to uh, China's WeChat uh, and in some ways similar to the Grab app that we already have. Um, but if you don't know what WeChat is, and I'm sure some of you do not, it's a multi-purpose app. It combines social media, payments, games, ride hailing. And for many people in China, it's an integral part of life. You really cannot get much done and move around without WeChat on your, on, on your phone. So he intends to use this uh, or something similar to push out to the 1 billion users. And he believes Twitter should offer more utility and ensure that people are very entertained and informed. So he praised WeChat's ability to keep users engaged and informed and in a walled garden, if you want to put it that way. And he wants to emulate this. But here's the thing, right? And, and I mentioned this to you the other day. The reason that WeChat worked in China at that time, because it's been around for quite some time, is that the majority of people in the PRC at that time were unbanked. Uh, credit card companies were not reaching out. Many people didn't have credit cards. And every single person had a mobile phone or two you know, with WeChat installed on it. And you could do everything on WeChat. You can pay your bills. You can use it for your transportation. You can, you know, chat to your friend. It had everything on it. It, it. it was perfect for what China needed. The U.S., of course, everybody has a credit card. Everybody uses a mobile phone. And the majority of people are banks. Ultimately, you need a killer app. You need a killer feature, yeah. right? Yeah. It needs to, what, why are you going to be using this? What is X going to bring to their supposed uh, uh, WeChat clone or uh, super app or whatever it is they're trying to do that will get people on towards their 1 billion user mark that they're looking for? Because right. uh, the other thing that WeChat, of course, read, uh, wrote on was the fact that it was a pioneer in the, in the mobile space yep. and rode that wave, right, where it became a, a standard app for most people, yep. which is the wave that Facebook rode. Yeah, uh, yeah. when mobile apps, mobile phones, when the iPhone came around and mobile apps became a big thing. Mm. That's how they grew so fast. It's 10, 15 years later. Right. Um, you know, it's, you're, you don't have a market uh, to penetrate in terms of, you know, fintech, right? Mm. Fintech works, as you mentioned, in unbanked or underbanked yeah. areas. Yeah. People can't get access to credit cards. They need an alternative way to uh, pay for things, finance things, that sort of thing. Mm. So what is X going to do? Because X doesn't have an ecosystem right now. You've got right. Twitter. So are you trying to use news as the front face here to surface stories and then other services such as I don't know? That, that's the thing, right? So I, I've been keeping track of this, and, and I've noticed that uh, Yakarino, who is the current CEO of Twitter, uh, bless her, because I'm sure she's pulling out her <laughs> hair right now, you know, has been seen and spotted in, in, of all places, Hollywood, kind of rubbing shoulders with, with many, many celebrities. So they're obviously looking for some kind of endorsement for something. What that something is, we don't know what it is, right? But you're right, that there is no killer element to, to what's happening right now. Combine that with the fact that we saw just a couple of months ago, you know, back-end issues and software issues with Twitter, and you're wanting to pivot into something that does fintech, this isn't reassuring me. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure whether it's maybe he, whether it's they want to do fintech because mm. I mean that would take some kind of work. Right. Uh, but 
it's is it can you create a super app when it comes to media and entertainment. Right. Now, that could be an interesting proposition here, given the fact, like, let's tie this back to the AI story yeah, earlier. Yeah. Um, there, Netflix, the problem with streamers is the fact that you have a paradox of choice for consumers to actually watch the content you're putting on, and then usually what happens is you scroll for 10 minutes, you get tired, you turn off the TV and That's you right. do something else. That's right. Or you go back to friends, or you yeah. watch something that Familiar. you're comfortable with. Yeah. And it, uh, yes, it keeps you on the platform, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Now, is there a way that Twitter can create uh, a social media for media uh, where you have news and you have entertainment uh, magazines and you know a, a news subscription in a mm, way, mm. but also tap this uh, to build profiles of their users so that you know all oh, these are the shows that you want to watch. These are the shows that are for you. That that sort of thing, mm, right? Mm. Whether it can be an aggregator of sorts, but again. In order to be uh, this so-called super app, you need a, a killer feature, mm. uh, something a must-have for someone to download your your platform. So they're relying on Twitter being that f- killer feature, I guess. Hopefully, I don't know news. I, maybe, maybe, but we're seeing it hemorrhaging users, you know, and, and mm. right now, particularly right now, with this whole rebranding palaver that mm. just hasn't gone according to plan. Yeah, but as much as I. Um, Consider a lot of the, a lot of garbage comes out of his mouth, right? Let's just put it that way. Um, I'm not the big, not his biggest fan, uh, and let me be clear: I'm, I'm talking about Elon Musk. Mm. But so far, he's been winning, yeah, right? Well, yeah. He's every he's hitting everything out of the court. Mm. Tesla's doing very well, expanding very fast. People, he's speaking to to leaders of nations. Sure, he doesn't have a good relationship with the U.S., but he's fine with other mm-hmm. countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starlink is an essential is, is a is a promising uh, outlet here. SpaceX is doing well. All this, you know, it, it feels like he thrives when people dislike, dislike him. Dislike him, yeah. And he's a very dislikable person. Yeah, it's very easy to do that. I, yeah. In case anyone didn't get that <laughs> from me, but. Um, it's uh, it's also to your detriment to bet against him. Yeah, he's he's shown that he can win, but he always pulls something. Out, yeah, let, this, let me just want to read this sentence that really irritates me. Musk's vision for Twitter in the next five to ten years is for the company to contribute to a quote unquote here stronger, longer lasting civilization where we are better able to understand the nature of reality. Close quote. It's it's garbage, but you know he's going to find a way to build a business out of this maybe. They had a new slogan as well. What, what was the new slogan? That X marks the spot. No, no, it was something worse than that. It was, <laughs> ah, here it is. Uh, X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, has a new motto, uh, and it sounds like it belongs in an 80s cover band. Uh, the new tagline is, blaze your glory. What does that even mean? That's the thing. What does it mean? Uh, okay, let's try and... Okay, blaze your glory. So you come here and embellish your reputation. Is that what they're trying to say? Uh, Use Twitter I don't to know. But amp ha- you up. Have you seen that new sign they have on top of the Twitter building in San Francisco? Oh, it's been removed. Has it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw it just now. It's uh, apparently there were a lot of complaints. Because people were complaining about it being too bright. Yeah, you? so um, it's on the top of TechCrunch. Just before we went on air, I saw it. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's been taken down um but yeah it's mad you know he this is everything that's wrong with move fast and break things right because once Mm. you are big you can do that when you're small but once you're big it it's very difficult i mean there are lots of downstream ramifications that you know um cause issues Mm. Mm. that we don't necessarily think are going to happen 
On that note, let's wrap up. Enough about Elon Musk for today's show. Uh, but if you did miss any part of today's show, of course, uh, the podcast will be up very shortly. Uh, and you can listen to it wherever you normally listen to it. We recommend the BFM app. Uh, we're not changing that name anytime soon. That's available <laughs> in the Apple App Store and Google Play. Uh, we do not blaze our glory. Uh, but anyway, the stories we covered. Netflix touting a $900,000 AI job amidst the uh, strikes over in Hollywood. Uh, Starlink, now available in Malaysia at a couple of different price uh, price points 2300 ringgit for the basic setup uh, 11613 for the uh, uh, expert setup and it comes in at 220 ringgit per month without a contract then of course uh, why people are not buying EVs under 1000 ringgit here a uh, 100000 ringgit of course and then WeChat why does Elon Musk want to be WeChat that was all what we talked about today don't go anywhere though because coming up after the one o'clock news as usual it's the breakfast grill replay and we've got some music takers up there what have we got what music have we got later uh, we've got Rooney with I'm Shaking and we've got Billy Idol with Cradle of Love as well there you go that's all coming up over the next few minutes enjoy the rest of your afternoon this has been Enterprise Biz Bites on BFM 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the BFM app